Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Well, I'm so grateful you're here. Pastor Chuck has been teaching so far. He's exclusively taught this red letter series, this idea of red letter living. And I love that. I love that. Because this morning what I want to do is I just want to plug in and I want to join in what Pastor Chuck's been saying because week after week after week, it seems like God has used this series just to impact a lot of people's hearts. Isn't that true? I mean, I, I, I've been seeing Facebook messages and emails and, and God's just really been speaking. I think, I think he wants to do that today. In fact, I know that he does because what I believe is all across this room, there is a battle that every single one of us is fighting. There's a fight that, to be honest with you, has the ability to sideline us in our faith. What I mean by that is in this room, there's a lot of people that know Christ personally. There's a lot of people that are trying to focus their heads and their hearts on them. But honestly, once we leave Sunday morning and once we leave growth groups or we leave worship service or once we leave sort of this spiritual bubble that we've created, what happens is life happens to us. Y'all know what I mean by that? I mean, you get to Monday, you get to Tuesday, you get to Wednesday, and to be honest with you, life gets very, very messy. I mean, you turn on the news and all it is is all the negative things going on around us. And then you talk to somebody in your family and all they tell you about is all the negative things that they've seen. And then you turn to somebody else and they've sort of stabbed you in the back. They talk behind your back. And honestly, what happens for a lot of people is we live our lives disconnected from what God says on Sunday, and we never live it out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that for a lot of people, myself included, we find ourselves in moments where our life day-to-day and our faith exists on parallel tracks. Does that make sense to you? That what happens a lot of times is we've got faith on Sunday. <clears throat> we sing songs like, Bless the Lord, O my soul. We talk about how we need Him and that those things never intersect the way that we live daily. And the problem with that is that the enemy will throw junk into your life. The problem with that is the enemy wants to attack everything that God is up to in your life. The problem with that is there are meltdowns in homes. There's battles on the work front. There, there, there's addictions that, that rear their heads again. And what happens for a lot of us is when those things happen, our faith is very fragile. When those moments come up in our marriages, when those moments come up with our kids, when those moments come up with our boss, with our employers, when those moments come up when the doctor tells us something we weren't expecting to hear, when those moments happen, when you've lived your life on parallel tracks where the faith that you have in God never intersects the way that you live, when those moments collide, what happens is there's a battle going on. And what I'm convinced of is some of us right now are living in the middle of this battle. And here's what I called this battle. It's called the battle to believe. That in those moments, when there's more month left than there's money, in those moments when the bank calls and says, look, you're behind. In those moments when, when, there's, when there's this obvious breakdown within your family, in those moments, You're finding yourself in this battle. And to be honest with you, there's some of us that are here that we're ready to give up. We're ready to quit. 
We're ready to turn our back and try to figure this out ourselves. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about how you can win this battle to believe. Instead of throwing in the towel, instead of of giving up, instead of turning back to your old lifestyle, how do you win this battle? What would happen if we begin to take the red words of Jesus off of these pages and we begin to apply them to our lives? If you have your Bibles, look in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, there's an amazing story here that I think is very powerful. In Mark chapter 9, we meet a guy that's in the middle of this battle to believe. We meet this guy that's in the middle of a crisis of faith. He's in the middle of this internal struggle where his life is messy, where his life has been disappointing to him, where life seems to have dealt him something that he did not want. And in the middle of this passage, he's about ready to quit. What an appropriate passage for us this morning, because just from the emails and texts and phone calls we've been receiving, that's where a lot of us are living, where, where we've got faith and we've, we, we, we believe in Christ, and yet somehow during the week, life threw something at us we didn't expect, and something took place that caused us to doubt, and in the middle of that, we're fighting this battle. Look at it, Mark chapter 9, here's what's happening. Uh, Jesus has taken three of his disciples up on a mountain. They have this amazing experience where God reveals himself in such a unique way to these three guys. In fact, those three guys saw Jesus in a way that nobody else had seen him at this point. And so those three guys wanted to stay on the mountain. They're like, hey, let's stay here. Let's, this is an awesome moment. Let's just, let's just hang out here. And honestly, that's the way I feel a lot of Sundays when we finish here. I'm thinking, man, this was just good. I mean, when you, when you sing songs like this and you just get into the presence of God, I'm like, let's just stay here. But what Jesus knew, and we have to figure out, is you can't stay on those mountaintops, can you? So Jesus takes these three guys, and they come back down off the mountain, and they see religious leaders in a fight with his disciples. Now, I don't know if that catches you as odd or not, but the religious leaders of the day are fighting with Jesus. That's another lesson. I'll keep moving, though. No problem. So there's there's this fight going on, and so Jesus walks up in the middle of it, and Jesus says, What's going on? So let's pick it up. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Some of these verses are on your handout, so you can follow along. But verse 14 says this. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. So there's this huge crowd that has surrounded them. And listen to what it says in verse 14. And some scribes were arguing with them. They're arguing. Listen to verse 15. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, when they saw Jesus, they were amazed. So they see Jesus come down off this mountain. They're amazed. They're redirected. And listen to what it says. And they began running up to him to greet him. Verse 16. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? So Jesus is asking, what's this argument about? And listen to what happens. Verse 17. And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. He can't speak. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he stiffens out. Now think about that. This guy has a son that's possessed. He has a son that, 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 the demon throws him on the ground. He's stiff as a board. He's grinding his teeth. He's foaming at the mouth. And so here's this guy with the son in a extreme situation. 
Think about that as a father. He's like, I've got the son that can't live a normal life. I've got the son that that it doesn't seem like things are going to turn around for him. And listen to what he says in verse 18. And I told your disciples to cast it out, to cast out this the spirit from him. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. Think about that. Think about the stress that he's under. Think about the turmoil that he's under. Think about the, the, the hopelessness of the situation. I've got the son. I've got the son who, who can't live a normal life. I brought him to everybody I knew to bring him to. I brought him to the, the, the church leaders. I brought him to the disciples. I, I've taken him every place I know to go. And yet there seems like no hope. He's on the edge. He's on the last leg. He's hanging by a thread of faith. And he's like, I didn't know what to do. He's fighting this battle. He's fighting this battle. So if you're taking notes this morning, let me talk through this passage. And I want to give you three sort of insights, three, three sort of just observations I've had in my own life as I've looked at this battle. And the first one is this, number one, if we're going to win this battle, if we're not just going to get by, if we're not just going to go through the motions, but if we really want to win this battle, number one, it begins as a dream. Just write that down. It begins as a dream. Now, I don't want that to sound too out there. I don't want that to sound too sort of abstract. So let me tell you, let me show you where this comes from. As he's describing, now think about this. He describes to Jesus what is wrong with the son. It slams him to the ground. It causes him to have seizures. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. He stiffens out. Think about how helpless that is. Think about how hopeless that is. I don't know what to do, Jesus. I don't know what's wrong with him. I've got a son. I don't know what the problem is. And now, Jesus, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't even help. Do you feel how weighty that must be? Do you feel how desperate he feels in this moment? Do you feel how at the bottom of the barrel he feels? He's like, I've turned everywhere I know to turn, and the last place I've turned is to your disciples, and they couldn't even do anything. And yet, he brings the boy to Jesus. See, no matter how helpless the situation is for this guy, no matter how hopeless it feels like, no matter how much he wants to give up in this moment, this guy has one dream, and you know what the dream is? His dream is, I want to have my son back. Think about that. Here's a guy that has turned every place he knows to go. He's asked everybody for prayer. He's asked everybody for insight. He's asked everybody for their opinion, and yet every single time he comes up what? He comes up empty. He comes up with no help. He comes up with no hope. And yet in front of Jesus himself, he still is able to dream. And his dream is this, Jesus, could you give me my son back? In every single one of our lives, there are those crises of faith. In every single one of our lives, there are those events that happen. In every single one of our lives, there are those things that nobody knows about us except for those that are closest to us that cause us to doubt. They cause our faith to begin to waver. They cause us to begin to ask, God, is there any hope? Is there any help out there? And what happens when we struggle with something for a long time, whether it's a meltdown within your marriage and you think, look, that is the last straw, I'm done. 
there's no way this is going to be whole again. Or maybe it's at the, the place that you work and you think, man, I can't work for that person one more day. If they ask me to do that one more time, I'm just going to quit. Or maybe it's within your family. Maybe there's some strained relationship and every time y'all try to meet and every time you have some family gathering, you think if they say something about that one more time, I'm just going to go off. And every single one of our lives, we have those areas, don't we? Where our faith has, has faltered, where, where we're tempted to give up. And yet in the middle of those moments, here's all I want to say to you this morning is instead of giving up, instead of quitting, Instead of assuming, well, this is the way it's always going to be. I'm just going to accept it for what it is. This is the way it's always going to be. Would you begin to dream again? If you're taking notes underneath that first point, let me just have you write down a question I want you to wrestle with. Here's the question. Just write this down underneath that first point uh, on your handout. Can I believe? Here's the question. Can I believe that God can change my situation? Can I believe that God can change my situation? Here's this guy that's hopeless. Here's this guy that's tempted to give up. Here's this guy that's tempted to think, well, this is the way it's always going to be. And yet in that moment, he has this one belief that maybe if I come to Jesus, he could change it. See, none of us come into this world with fully functioning faith. None of us come into this world with faith that is rock solid. None of us. I mean, even if you think you're at a place where where nothing could cause you to shake, it's usually at those moments that something comes at you where the enemy begins to attack. And in the middle of those moments, we're tempted to quit. In the middle of those moments, we're tempted to become eternal fatalists where we think, well, if that's the way it's going to be, I guess it's going to be. And in those moments, it's important for us to begin to say, God, would you help me to dream again? See, in Scripture, you don't see perfect faith. You, you read about people like uh, Noah. He didn't have perfect faith to start with. You read about people like Abraham. He had imperfect faith. You read about Moses. Uh, you go throughout Scripture. Nobody comes into this world with rock-solid faith. Before there is faith, there first must be hope. This desire, this dream. God, could you step into this hopeless situation and cause something good to happen? It starts with that kind of dream. So big point number one, if you're fighting this battle, and I really believe that battle is going on in this room, is number one, it begins as a dream, and then number two, it's based on a decision. It's based on a decision. So here's this guy, um, he's brought his son to Jesus. The disciples can't do anything about it. The disciples try to do something. They fail. So all the scribes begin to murmur. All the scribes begin to point fingers. All all, all the scribes begin to cast doubt at them. And in the middle of that moment, listen to what this guy says to Jesus. The end of verse 18, he says, I told your disciples and they could do nothing. They could not do it. They couldn't cast it out. And listen to verse 19, Jesus' response. I love this. Jesus answered them and he said, oh, unbelieving generation. He's not just talking to the sky. He's talking to all the Jewish people around him. All all, all of the Jewish people that are looking for a Messiah. All the Jewish people that supposedly are on the lookout for when's the Messiah going to come? When's the deliverer going to come? And so here's all these people that are supposedly looking. And Jesus says, look, I'm right here. He says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? He's like, come on, get it, people. 
And then listen to what he says. I love this. Bring him to me. Think about that. Here's a guy that has brought his son to the synagogue leaders. Here's a guy that's brought his son to the scribes. He he probably took his son to every family member in his family. He's taken his son everywhere. Think about that. He's toted his his son to the synagogue. He's toted him to the temple. He's taken him to family gathering after family gathering. He's taken him to any person that seems remotely religious at all. And then he finally brings him to the disciples and they can't do anything about it. And I love in that moment when he feels like there's no help, when he feels like there's no hope, Jesus redirects all of that energy. Jesus redirects all of that focus. And he says, bring that boy to who? To me. You know what Jesus is doing? He's identifying himself as the Savior. He's identifying himself as the Messiah. He's saying, look, in this crowded area where everybody's bickering and everybody's fighting and everybody's giving up hope, Jesus stands up in the middle of that crowded stage and says, you can bring him to me because I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a poet. I'm not just some prophet. I'm not just a good guy. He's saying, I am the savior of the world. See, there, in every one of our battles where we're tempted to give up, in every one of our battles when we're tempted to feel like there's no hope, in the middle of those battles, you and I have to make a decision. The decision is not, am I going to tell everybody else about it? The decision is not, am I going to blow up my Facebook feed and talk about how wrong my boss was or how bad that relationship was or not? In the middle of that moment, you know what our decision is? Our decision is, am I going to bring my need to him? Am I going to bring it to Jesus? That we're so tempted to try to meet our needs ourselves, aren't we? We're so tempted to try to meet our needs ourselves without the help of God. And Jesus stands up in the middle of that crowded area and he says, bring the boy to me. Why did Jesus do that? Because Jesus knew he was the only answer. And that's true in our generation. We live in a generation that, that when you look at the religious landscape, it is crowded, isn't it? I mean, everybody's standing up and everybody's saying, you can believe whatever you want to and you can believe whatever you want to. And just as long as you think it's true and just as long as you're on, just as long as you're a good person, in the middle of that crowded stage, Jesus stands alone and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. See, Every battle is won based on who we believe Jesus to be. I don't know if you've wrestled that down. I don't know if you've thought about that. But every battle, every fight, every point of stress within your home, within your business, within retirement, within the friends around you, every one of those battles is lost or won based on who you believe Jesus to be. Do you just believe Jesus wants to make you a better person? Do you just believe that Jesus wants to help you clean up your act? Do you believe that Jesus just wants to rescue you that one time a year when you pray? Or do you believe that Jesus is the leader and the Lord of your life? Now, I know y'all know this, but let me just be ultra clear. Jesus' last name is not Christ. Do y'all know that? I mean, I grew up hearing my pastor preach about Jesus Christ. And so I just want to clarify that Christ is not his last name. It's not Mary and Joseph Christ and the Christ family, right? 
There's no like, welcome to the Christ. I, I, I say that tongue in cheek because I want to point out that almost every one of us in this room has referred to Jesus Christ. And when we do that, what we're actually saying is Jesus is his name and Christ is his office. Jesus is his name. Jesus is the name that was given to him that was prophesied way before he was birthed onto this planet. Jesus is his name, but Christ is a word that means he's the Savior. Christ is the word that means he's the Messiah. Christ is the word that means that he is anointed of God. He is the anointed one. And so in the middle of our crisis of belief, in the middle of our battle, we have to ask this question. Here's the question underneath point number two. Am I going to put my faith in Christ? Am I going to put my faith in Christ? Because I guarantee you, if you put your faith in somebody else, I guarantee you, if you put your faith in another person, if you put your faith in some institution, if you put your faith in some program, it's going to fail you 10 out of 10 times. But in the middle of those moments, we need to put our faith in who? In him. In him. So if we're going to, I'm telling you, you can win this battle. I'm telling you, you don't have to give up. It starts with number one, a dream. You gotta have hope. Before there's faith, there's gotta be hope in scripture. It's hope, faith, and then the results. So it begins as that dream. Number two, it's based on a decision. The decision is, am I gonna put my faith in him? Is he the leader of my life? Not just somebody I talk to, but is he the Lord, the leader of my life? And then here's the third point, big point number three. It must be built through direction. It must be built through direction. In other words, just because on this day we agree to say, hey, we're going to fight this battle to believe. Just because we say on this day, I know that he's the answer, it doesn't mean that the enemy is just going to give up, does it? The enemy is not going to be like, oh, on Sunday they said that they wanted to live out the red letters. Great, I'm done with them. No, instead, here's what happens. The enemy begins to place doubt in your mind. The enemy begins to cause drama to come up in your life. Isn't that good news? Uh, no, right? Uh, the enemy causes there to be discord within our families. See, sometimes we think, well, that's a sign that I've put my faith in the wrong person. And what I say in those moments, no, that's the sign that you put your faith in the right one. Because when there's no friction in our life, when there's no pushback in our life, when there's no drama in our life, you know what that means? That means the enemy's not messing with you. The enemy's saying, look, you're living for yourself. Look, you're doing your own thing. I don't need to mess with you. You're already your own worst enemy. But the moment any person, the moment any church, the moment any individual begins to say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I want to live for you. Jesus, I want you to be the leader, the Lord, the person that that calls all of the, the shots in my life. Anytime you do that, that places a target on your life. Anytime you do that, the enemy takes notice of that. It's like you light up on his radar screen and he begins to say, well, that church is trying to live for him. That, that person is trying to live for him. That family is trying to turn back to him. And in the middle of that moment, the enemy places a target on your life and he begins to attack that. Why? Because the enemy wants to undo anything that God is doing. And so in the middle of those moments, your emotions are going to go off the chart. In the middle of those moments, there's going to be more tension within the home. In the middle of those moments, you're going to be tempted to quit. And in the middle of that moment, instead of quitting, you've got to bring direction to your life. You've got to bring direction to your thoughts. You've got to bring focus 
See, here's what happens. This guy turns to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, your disciples, they couldn't cast out the, 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 the spirit. Your disciples, they couldn't pull it off. And in the middle of that moment, this guy turns to Jesus and he says to Jesus, listen to this. <laughs> this is so amazing. He says to Jesus in verse 22, but if you can do anything, if you can, and I'm thinking Jesus is about to go off. <laughs> and Jesus is like, hello, I created the world. I spoke it into existence. Hello, I've raised people from the dead. Hello, I healed Peter's mother-in-law. And so here's this guy standing just a few feet away from Jesus, and he has the audacity, the nerve to say, if you can. <laughs> but that's what happens in moments of, of battle, doesn't it? That our emotions go off the chart that our mind begins to think false things. In those moments, we've got to bring direction. We, we, we've, we've got to, in those moments, to bring discipline to our mind, to bring focus to our emotions, and fight those feelings with the Word of God. Then in the middle of those moments, just like this guy's experiencing, if you can, in the middle of those moments, there's going to be self-doubt, there's going to be drama, there's going to be tension. And in the middle of those moments, instead of leaning into them, we need to realize that, yes, my emotions are real. Yes, what I'm feeling is real, but it doesn't mean that it's right. And in the middle of doubt, in the middle of discouragement, in the middle of everything feeling wrong, that I would begin to discipline my mind, I would begin to focus my emotions, and the best way to do that is by getting the Word of God into your life. Jesus, I'm struggling with this. Jesus, I, 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 I'm having doubt, and that what would happen, that we'd get the red letters off of this page and would cause them to impact our heart. Isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, when Jesus first entered into public ministry, the, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy threw everything that he had at him, every temptation he could come up with, every doubt he could put in Jesus' face, and every single time, how did Jesus respond? He quoted Scripture. And so in the middle of that moment, this guy's struggling. This guy's battling. This guy says, Jesus, if you can... And so in verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can, verse 23, and Jesus said, if you can, some things are possible to him who believes. Is that what it says? It says how much? It says all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus is speaking to a guy that feels helpless. Jesus is speaking to a guy that feels hopeless. Jesus is speaking to a guy that is ready to quit. And Jesus, in the middle of that moment, says, but anything is possible to him who believes. And immediately, verse 24, the boy's father cried out and he said, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. He's saying, Jesus, I've got some faith. I, I don't have it all figured out, but I've got hope. I've got a dream that one day my son could be whole again. And so that dream then is coupled with the decision, Jesus, I'm going to bring him to you because I believe you to be the leader, the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And it's built through direction to say, Jesus, even in those moments I have doubt, and even in those moments that I disbelieve, Jesus, would you help me in believing? 
I stand up here hoping that God is causing something to stir up inside of you today. I stand up here hoping that the Spirit of God is speaking into your life because no matter what you're facing today, no matter what that trial is today, Jesus' letters are true. Anything is possible to him who what? Believes. Don't give up hope. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on that thing that's causing you to lose faith. And would you today believe again? This morning.